0: Turn in our Bibles this morning to two places. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 14 and then 2nd Corinthians. Just kind of open to 2nd Corinthians because we're gonna be in a few different places in 2 Corinthians. Taking a break this morning in our series of uh, this year-long series that we've been on called the Transformation Pathway. Um, We'll be picking it up again next week, so make sure to be here. We're going to be talking about the Overcoming Fellowship. We just got done talking about the Overcoming Home, talking about parenting and marriage and relationships. Uh, we've talked about the Overcoming Life. We've talked about tools for the journey and how God wants to equip us for moving forward. We've talked about kingdom authority and all kinds of good stuff. If you've missed any of the sermons, uh, most of them, I think we're missing one or two, but most of the sermons are online. You can check those out. Next week, we're starting with the overcoming fellowship, the overcoming fellowship, not just the overcoming church, but the overcoming fellowship. We're a fellowship of believers, and God has called us in this world to overcome. And so uh, I'm not talking about how to overcome your church. That's a different subject. but how to be a body believers that overcome? So don't miss that. And we'll continue that series. Um, but this morning, I want to share a message entitled "A Fragile Faith." A fragile faith. Uh, we just went we got back from our church camping trip yesterday, um, and for our family, that's that makes four straight weeks of some type of camp, whether summer camp or camping, and um, we're ready to be home for a little while. Uh, home-cooked meals and the whole the whole deal but here's here's what's funny about church camping trips or anytime you go camping with a group of people there's a level of risk involved and and your mind just went somewhere mine didn't probably but uh, I'm going to tell you the risk that I'm talking about when you're in a camping environment with people it's not a hotel you're not in a home you're in the great outdoors it's not comfortable uh, dirty, uh, the first night we were there, we discovered that one of the tents was pitched right on top of a red ant hill, and so, right, Jamie's like, that was me, so we're like picking up tents and moving tents, and there's Clorox being, or whatever, the, the powder being put down trying to kill the ants, uh, we had uh, one hospital run, some stitches, uh, camping trips, by the way, you should join us next year, it's a ton of fun, I'm realizing I'm not doing a good sales pitch, no, By the way, we are going again next year, but, uh, wow, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. There's risk involved, and here's the risk. It's easy to fake it for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. But after two days camping, the real you comes out, (laughs) right? You can't really fake it anymore, (laughs) and and I, I honestly had this thought, and and I work at being consistent in my life that, that who I am here at church is who I am at home. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure in the world to adapt to your environment, and kind of be a chameleon. But I had this thought going into this camping trip. This is the first trip that I'm doing like this with our church, new church family. Which, by the way, it's, eight, it's been seven months already. Is that incredible that we've been here? Um, but it's the first trip that we're doing of this, this kind. And I'm thinking... Oh man, I hope people still like me after the trip. Um, not, not that I become some kind of weirdo on a camping trip, but, but man, you, you know that you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there. The real you will shine, especially you wake up in the morning, you're cold, you're crawling out of your sleeping bag, you haven't had your coffee yet, right? And that's the, that's the you that people get to see. Um, and it got me thinking about how we need to be real people how we need to be real people, that, that I think in our world today, there is a lack of being real. We do fake really well. Now, what I'm not talking about is self-awareness, psychology, in psychology, they talk about self-awareness, which is basically, you know, you, if you walk into a room, the person who's talking louder than everyone else, not very self-aware, and so they, they kind of have filters not there or they're just brash or rude. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Uh, What I'm talking about is real in the sense that you are the same person everywhere you go. Whether at work or at home or at church or on a camping trip or on a missions trip or at the grocery store or at Starbucks, you are who you are. And I think there's so much pressure in the world today to cover up the real you to try and perform and, and, and meet people's and, and please people's expectations of who you should be. Does, is this making sense? And we start giving in to that so much so that we get to a point where you kind of wonder, wait, who am I? Part of that is, is every one of us has scars emotionally and phys- physically. Spiritually, there's things that have happened in our lives that we go, man, if people knew this part of who I am, they wouldn't want to hang out with me anymore. I would guess in a room of this, with this many people in it this morning, there's, there's probably a good number who'd say, if people really knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't give me a hug during the greeting time. And I just tell you right now, that's not the heart of God. The, the father we were talking about this morning that embraces his children, that's that's not a part of who we are. That's a lie from the enemy. But we start buying into that lie because it's around us. And so you have to adapt. You have to fit into the environment that you're in. Really it becomes a protective mechanism so that you're not rejected. But it's fake. We were up a camp, uh, our youth camp, we're getting to the end of our 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 summer camp series, and I was having a conversation with Pastor Kelly Fellows, who's our next gen uh, rep for the district. He's also, uh, he's also our um, associate or assistant district supervisor. Many of you got to meet him when he actually was here helping us through the, the transition process. But we were talking about the process of kids going from the mountaintop back into real life. We had almost 2,000 campers between third grade and 12th grade come up to camp this summer, and God did amazing things in their lives. We heard some of the testimonies of our own youth and our own kids who were just, the Lord just rocked their world, and it was amazing. But every year that I've ever gone to camp, there's always that point at the end of camp where you know, I'm leaving this place where I just get to be me, I've got to share my testimony. God has done some healing in my life, and I have to go back to the real world, and the transition from being in in a place that's kind of set apart where you feel safe to a place where you feel exposed is a challenge, and so we were talking about this process, and and it's where this idea that faith is fragile came up. We talked, talked about a fragile faith. It's something that uh, the Lord has even been stirring on Pastor Kelly's heart, so I've, I've kind of stolen his sermon a little bit here. So if you see him and and you go, hey, Barry preached your, your message. But I've, um, I just got stuck in my heart, and I was like, Lord, this, there's something to this. And so this this morning, I wanted to, to explore a little bit this idea that our faith is fragile, and it's okay to be real. It's okay to be who you are. There's two people in Scripture I want to, Discuss this morning two of my heroes because they are so real. The first is the Apostle Peter and the other is the Apostle Paul. Peter and Paul, two very real guys. If you have any sense that church is about pretense or pretending, you need to read the New Testament because it doesn't get much more real than, than what happened to these individuals in the Gospels and in the Epistles. I want to start here in chapter 14 with a, a story we're, we're probably all familiar with. It's, it's the, the account of Peter walking on the water. And I want us to, to read this together. Matthew 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. Here's what happens. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him, go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Stop here for a second. It was important for Jesus to get away and pray. He often went away by himself to a place, a lonely place, an isolated place to pray. He got away from the pressure and from the people so he could hear the voice of his father. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And during the fourth uh, watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid." Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I, I, I get the sense when you read the, the Gospels that Peter often talked before, before he thought about what he was saying. Like the words started coming out before the brain started engaging, and he was just that kind of guy. Anyone, anyone willing to own that? Like you're just, oh, hey, it's out there. Now I've got to work with that. Did I just, did I just commit to that? Come, he said. Jesus just simply says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God books have been written countless sermons have been preached on this and so there's really no new spin on this passage I just love the heart of Peter he got out of the boat yeah he was man he was out there sometimes you know, he was about as real as you get sometimes too real you're like Peter tone it down a bit but in that moment, when, they, when Jesus says, don't worry, it's me, don't be afraid, Peter just says, Lord, if it's really you. And his faith, he has this faith that just, it's got these peaks and valleys, he's up and down, and, and in these moments, Peter just shines. Just tell me, just come, just tell me to come to you. Jesus says, come. And I wonder what that process was like. Did, did he just, just hop out of the boat, or was it a kind of a step out, Okay, let me, okay. I, I'm, I'm imagining Peter If in, in my version of the story. I, I think he just went for it. I think he just went for it. And he starts walking on the water. Okay, church, Peter walked on water. Have you tried that lately? Doesn't go so well. He walked on water, and I think we get so familiar with these passages, we forget how awesome that is. And he starts walking towards Jesus. But then, a fragile faith. He starts looking at the waves and the wind. Imagine there was a little glance over the shoulder back at the boat, now realizing uh, the, the boat's 20, 30 yards away. This isn't a good situation. See, Peter's a fisherman. His, his happy place is in the boat. Fishermen don't go in the water. The fish come to them in the boat, right? His happy place is in the boat. But now he's in a place where he's exposed himself, and he has to stand, literally stand, on the water. But fear seizes him and grips him. And Jesus says to him, you have little which I've heard so many sermons on this where it's the strong rebuke. But you know, I imagine the heart of Jesus in this moment is, Peter, way to go. Now do better next time. I recognize that there's weakness. I recognize that there's there's a struggle here. There's a tension that exists. Can you imagine the tension of that moment? Peter now up to his waist in the water reaching his hand out and Jesus restoring him and bringing him up and how Peter must be feeling in that moment. How about this? How did the other disciples feel in the boat? Because they didn't get on the water, did they? They didn't walk to Jesus. they're, They're probably thinking what they're always thinking and there's Peter doing his thing again. Peter walked on the water. For a moment, but he did it. Jesus says, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? There are things that come into our lives that will put pressure on our faith that today I can be standing strong, and tomorrow I feel like I'm in a pit. And I've been a believer for 35 years, and I can't make sense of it sometimes. And there are days where I'm just frustrated. I'm just frustrated. I preach a sermon on Sunday where I know God moved, and on Monday morning, I wake up discouraged. It's like, oh, Lord, what is wrong with me? Anyone feel that way? What is wrong with me? God says you have a fragile faith. You're not unlike Peter, where the things around you exert so much pressure an expectation that I can walk out of church, I can walk out of a youth camp or a youth retreat or a men's retreat or a women's retreat or or, or a Bible study or a prayer meeting and feel on top of the world, but I walk back into an atmosphere where the enemy is waiting to come against you and tear you down. There's a tension that exists, that same tension that Peter felt. I want us to read this passage out of 2 Corinthians 4. I love this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 9. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to read this out loud together. So uh, you can open there in your Bibles, but let's read off of the screen so we're reading the same version. Um, But I think declaring these words out loud will be important for us uh, today. So ready, go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all, surpassing power from God, is not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Amen. We have this all-surpassing power in what? Jars of clay. Listen, if I'm choosing something to store uh, something precious in, something powerful in, I'm not going to choose clay, right? Right? I'm looking for the titanium. Let's get something that's like double insulated. It's strong. Why is it that God chooses these jars of clay, these weak vessels, and he says, listen, I'm just going to put my power in you, and I'm going to let my power work through you in such a way that you will withstand the forces that are pressing in from the outside, I step back and go, God, would it just make sense to just get a better vessel? Let's upgrade the vessel so that there's nothing leaking out. You ever feel like a leaky Christian? Like, I had faith yesterday and today, like, where did it go? God says, no, 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 no. The focus is not the vessel. The focus isn't the jar of clay. The focus is the all-surpassing power of God. Which Paul says, listen, if it were about me, if it were about how strong I was, I would get the glory. But at the end of the day, who gets the glory? God does. And when God gets the glory, guess what? Your faith is built. See, I can go back and look across my life and go, God did this here in this season and he did this at this place and he came through in this way and he brought healing in this place. And when I start thinking about those stories like Romans 12 talks about, right? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony that when we think about what God has done, it builds our faith. It fills the vessel. The focus is not the vessel And we tend to be vessel focused people. You just do. I'm sorry. Whether you've known the Lord for a few days or for a few decades, the default setting for us is I've got to be a better vessel. I've got to strive. I've got to work harder to please God so that He's happy with me, so that He'll love me. God says, No, 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 you've got it backwards. I love the vessel. I love you as you are, cracked and all. You're a crackpot, and God loves you that way. Because he fills you with his power, and he says, listen, even in your fragile state, you can withstand things that you couldn't withstand before. That none of these things were hard-pressed on every side, not just one side, every side, and not crushed. Crushed perplexed, but not in despair. I mean, I can, I can wrestle through things and, and, and emotionally and mentally and, and, and be perplexed about those things. God says, but you know what? You're not going to be in despair. You're not going to get to such a low place that, that I can't pull you out. Persecuted, but not abandoned, never alone. Again, consider Paul writing these words from jail cells. Peter and Paul both suffered extreme persecution for their faith, but they, never, they were never abandoned and they knew that, struck down, but not destroyed. See, because we're not about the vessel, we're eternal. And so it's not about trying to work harder, develop a better vessel. God says, I see you as you are and I love you. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, and that includes you. That includes you. Whatever walls have been built up between you and the Lord, he didn't put them there. Those are things that we put in place. See, because I have to maintain this persona, the different places I go, I'm, there's the church me and the work me and the home me. Not the homie. I know some of you are thinking it. And I have to work hard to maintain that. And God says, No, 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 no. Just be you and let my glory and my power fill you and work through you. See, what's amazing is you can always find a harder substance, but it's never enough. Diamonds, one of the hardest substances known to man. I used to be at the hardest. It turns out there's some things that they've discovered now that are harder. Who knew? Um, But diamonds, one of the hardest substances known to man, yet extremely brittle. If you hit a diamond just right, it will crack. It'll fracture. And so it's not about getting a stronger, harder, better vessel. See, because there's always going to be things that will exert pressure in such a way that you will crack. And so God says, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on something else. 2 Corinthians twelve seven through 10 says this, to keep me f- from being conceited, this is Paul writing, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So not only are we not supposed to try and get a stronger vessel, we're supposed to celebrate the struggles. Paul, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. Anyone delight in insults? You're like, that's my favorite. When that guy cuts me off on the 210 and then waves at me, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, oh, oh, I delight in that. It's wonderful. In hardships, man, things are just tough. Lord, I just delight in this. This is, this is great. Persecutions and difficulties. Oh, Paul, okay, what's going on? See, Paul's figured out. Yes, he's fragile, but in the midst of his fragility, in the midst of, of his brokenness is the place where God gets to work. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. There's a tension here. Do you feel the tension? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mechanical guy. I need to figure out how things work, and this doesn't make sense to my brain. And when things don't make sense, I don't tend to live them out. And so I have to wrestle through, okay, Lord, what it, how? How does this work? And so the Lord gave me a picture Did you know you can boil water in a plastic bottle over a campfire? Kind of cool. Tom wanted to bring a fire into the building and actually do it, and I was like, no, Tom, we can't light a fire in the school. (laughs) So I brought a picture instead of someone else doing it. So there's a fire, and that's a a plastic bottle. It can be a two-liter bottle, whatever. You take a plastic bottle, and you put it in coals like that, Set it right in the fire, within a few minutes, that water will boil. and the bottle will not melt. It won't melt. And it's, it's, I, I have yet to try it. I'm going to try it, because this is really cool. Great, if you're ever like in the desert and you need to boil water, this is how you can do it. Um, you can watch the video. It, it, that water starts boiling in a few minutes. The water boils the bottle doesn't melt but if there's no water in the bottle right the bottle melts catches a fire does its thing plastic smoke the whole deal I started thinking about this picture and what Paul is talking about here and I realized we're plastic bottles they understood you're right the scripture the context here They understood jars of clay. Maybe it's hard for us to understand what jars of clay, because we don't haul water around in jars of clay. That's what they did. But we use plastic bottles. It's the Western way, right? That's what we do. Um, We're like these plastic bottles. And every one of us are exposed to hardship, to pain, to suffering, to the fire, when I was thinking about youth coming back down the mountain, it's like these plastic bottles were going back into the fire. And the Lord started showing me that what happens is, is, is when, when we're filled of, of His Spirit, which by the way, water is significant, right? Of the Holy Spirit. When we're filled with the Spirit, it doesn't matter what the outside forces exert on us. See, because the spirit absorbs all the heat and pressure. And we're not touched. We're not phased. And not only does the bottle not melt, there's a reaction that takes place inside the bottle. Think about this for a second with me. Picture yourself as a vessel, as a water bottle in your work, in your home, in your neighborhood where these forces are coming and exerting pressure on you. There's heat being applied. The spirit of God inside of you is greater than the outside forces. And when the pressure comes and the heat comes, what happens on the inside is that the spirit is ignited That there's a bubbling up of the spirit of God inside of you in the moment of the trial, in the moment of the testing, in the moment of the fire, where there's a reaction that takes place that releases energy, that releases power. You tracking with me? I got so excited. I was like, Lord, I need more of your spirit in me. Because I've always used the gas tank analogy that the Spirit of God in His, it's like having a car, but you could put gas in the car to be able to apply that power. But I love this even more because there's this direct thing. It's not about me going fast. It's about me standing strong in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the pain, and then allowing God just to do His thing. And see, I don't have to be pre- to pretend at that point. I don't have to be fake. I can just be me, and then God can be who he is. The Holy Spirit can do his work inside of my life. And there is an effect. Not only that, it goes a step further. We're at this campground this weekend. Um, We get this notification. we are all got our bathing suits on, and we're ready to go to the pool, and we get a notification. Everything's shut down. You guys are really going to go camping after this. Um, Everything's shut down. They got a a water report back. The water testing company came back, came out and tested their wells, and they got a report that there was something, some bacteria in the water. And so there was notices up, notices up all over the camp. Boil your water, right? You have to boil your water. Don't just drink the water. You got to boil your water. That when the water is boiled, the impurities and the things that are on the inside get purified. The process that God has for us is that he says, listen, you're a broken vessel. You're fragile. You have a fragile vessel. But I'm going to fill you with my power. And when, when you're filled with my power, with my spirit, and then these outside forces and these outside pressures and the heat is applied because it will be applied. When those things come, what's going to happen is that the Holy Spirit on the inside is going to take the hit. He's going to absorb the heat. But he's not just going to absorb it. He's now going to be... There's going to be a release of power, and there's going to be a purifying process that takes place inside of you. That's cool. I'm reading this, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord. Even as we're talking about this transformation pathway... Right, Romans 8, all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose, who he's called or he's destined to be conformed to the image of his son. And can I tell you that formation process is not like Plato, where God's like, oh, this is fun. It is the fire, it is the furnace. He says, I'm gonna allow you to be ex- ex- exposed to things and pressures to be exerted on you because it will purify you, it will test you, it will and hard- make you stronger, it will do something in you and as that takes place, you will end up looking more like Jesus because of what's happening on the inside. This conforming to the image of Jesus is not about me simply saying, uh Okay, I just I've just got to be more like Jesus today. Okay, put my Jesus face on. Right? I'm going to pull wear a mask or a bracelet. And those those can be great reminder, not a mat. Don't wear a mask of Jesus. That's just weird. Um, <laughs> but wearing a bracelet and that's fine. It's a great reminder, but it's not enough. God says I got to do something in you. And so don't wish away the pain, and don't wish away the suffering of the past, or the agony, or, man, I've I've got a story, and you want, you know what God's saying? I'm using that to conform you to the image of my son. Paul says, I rejoice in these things. I delight in my weaknesses. Church, delight in your weaknesses. And now, and what I'm not saying is, celebrate them and be like, hey, check out my weakness. That's not what he's saying. He's saying is, I'm thankful for the weakness because in the midst of the weakness, God's power is revealed. Philippians 4, 12 through 13. I know what it is to be in need. Again, Paul writing, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And everything means everything. So a couple of points of application as we close. Two things that need to happen. First is this, you need to embrace the power of the gospel. You need to embrace the power of the gospel we have in the world today in the western church a diluted idea of what the gospel is because we we think gospel billy graham sinner's prayer and that's it paul had a strong christ and cross centered theology now paul wrote about the holy spirit probably more than anyone else. But when you read the epistles, when you read the writings of Paul, it all came back to the cross. Everything was about Jesus Christ. It was the work of the cross. It was the cross, it was the cross, it was the cross. cross. This amazing grace, this is amazing grace, right? The fact that Jesus would go to the cross on your behalf, that he would take the sin of the world, he would take your sin upon himself. That when we embrace the gospel and the power of the gospel, we recognize I'm not who I was. That God has done something for me and in me that I couldn't do for myself. Paul was so aware of who he was before Jesus. Chief sinner. It's like, man, you think you have it bad. Let me tell you my story. Yet God chose to use Paul. And it's through the power of the gospel that Paul is saved, that his life is transformed. It starts at the cross. Don't forget who you are in Christ. Embracing the power of the gospel is the daily reminder that you're saved. That you are a new creation. That Jesus has done a work in your life that no one else could do, including yourself. Embrace the power of the gospel. But then the second thing would be this, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Acts one eight, Jesus says to the disciples, you will receive power. You will receive power power. Peter, at this point, is still a broken man. He's still licking his wounds from denying Jesus. He's being restored. Man, if I'm Peter, those... Oh, man, why did you do that? Why did you say... He even warned you, and you still did it. Oh, come on. And then Jesus says to that same Peter and the others... You will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 2, the upper room, they're filled. And then Paul, uh, Peter rather, gets up and preaches a sermon that results in 3,000 people coming to salvation. Do you think Peter at some point is like, okay, this, uh, what's going on? Or the, the people around him going, Man, that's Peter. Wow. What a difference a day makes. Right? The same guy broken and fragile and risking it all and putting his foot in his mouth and and the same guy who was up to his waist in water and Jesus is like, why did you doubt? That same Peter. Jesus never said, okay, you know what? You're too cracked. Let's just put you back on the shelf and let me find someone else. He says, you will be my chosen vessel. He says to Paul, I'm choosing you to be my vessel to take my gospel to the Gentiles. I'm choosing you, you're broken, you're messed up, you've made so many mistakes, and I'm choosing you. You will receive power, and when you've received power, you will do things that your brain can't even comprehend. And the world will never be the same. Jesus says to you this morning, that power is available to you. The same power that raised him from the dead. Second Timothy one six through seven. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self discipline. Colossians 1, 11, Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. I don't know where this message finds you this morning. Maybe you're on a peak, maybe you're feeling on top of the world and you're like I'm I'm ready to run. Maybe you're getting close to the top and you're like oh it's been it's been work. Maybe you're in the valley. Maybe you're in a low point feeling like, you know what, Ah, I'm tired of faking it. I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of trying to be the person everyone wants me to be. You know, the only person that cares is Jesus. He's looking, going, just be the person I made you to be. Yes, we come with a story. We come with a past. We come with all kinds of stuff. God says, let my power fill you in such a way that those don't become the focal point. His power released in our lives, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the tribulation, brings glory to his name. And I tell you what, it releases all kinds of power on the world around us. God is calling us to be Peter's calling us to go from being in a place where we're like, oh, I just regret everything that I've said for the last five years, to standing up and declaring the truth of God's word in such a way that people see Jesus. And in the midst of it, he does a work in us that's beautiful, it's powerful, it's re- there's restoration. That's what he has for you. Can we stand together? In a few weeks, we dive into the Overcoming Fellowship series. And beyond that, we'll be talking more about the power of the Holy Spirit moving in, in the midst of the church. There'll be a couple of messages on, the, on that subject. But I really felt like this morning, God wanted to tinker with some hearts. He wanted to do some surgery um, to bring some encouragement to maybe shed some light. We live in a very thinking world. We try to process everything, understand everything. If there's something I don't know, I Google it or I YouTube it or, right, I find out. And it's, we have access to information as never before. When we apply that to our own lives and we try and figure ourselves out, God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Just stop. Just rest. Let my power do a work in you. He's done the figuring out. He knows you. He formed you. He created you. And I believe this this morning the word would be rest. Come to a place of resting in the midst of the fire. Come to a place of resting in the trials. Embrace the power of the gospel. Be filled with the Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. But the, but the, the scriptures, the Bible is clear about this. That you need to be filled daily. There's days your tank just is, is, is empty. It's low. Don't drive to the point where the light is on and you're right. you're on the E. Be filled. Be in the word. Be a person of prayer. Just simply ask, Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing so that you can stand. Father God, this morning I'm thankful for the encouragement of your word. I'm thankful for people like Peter and Paul. Lord, that you didn't use perfect people. That you chose to use people who were weak and broken just like us Jesus even yourself you said that you were subject to the same temptations to the same pressures so that we would not have a savior we couldn't relate to that we could relate to you this morning because you walk through the same things but because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you Lord Jesus Jesus that you were able to stand. And God, that you've given us the same ability this morning, that you've filled us with the same Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you've come and you've taken up residence in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would restore those broken places. Those places where we've tried to build a better vessel and you said, no, just embrace my power. Lord, there's some who feel like they're right in the middle of the fire right now. God, would you do a work in them? Would you do a work in us? Lord, that that fire, those flames, turn into a beautiful thing as you release power in our lives, as you purify our hearts, as you form us into the men and women that you've called us to be. For the glory of your name. In Jesus' name.